Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look uh, <clears throat> let's look this morning at the Lord is my shield, and uh, I want us to start here at uh, we're already here at the Book of Psalms, so let's go straight back to uh, uh, eighteen here. And oh, uh, uh, this is Psalm eighteen, and uh, <clears throat> let's just let word speak for itself. You know, a lot of times. Uh, we go hear messages and whatever, I hear them and, you know, when you walk out of the building or if you're on the radio, you hear it or whatever and you're still more confused. Well, this is pretty easy right here. Look at this. The song of David was written, or it says this song of David was written when the Lord had delivered him from his, uh, from his many enemies, including Saul. Well, in, uh, in most Bibles, that little phrase won't be in there, but uh, it's just an added note. Uh, anyway, but notice this. Notice, excuse me, notice what he says here. Lord, how I love you, <clears throat> for you have done such tremendous things for me. Let me switch this to the King James to, uh, to just kind of uh, uh, start this in uh, what probably uh, we have, may have heard before. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. You know, kind of like, and we have a song, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I've been singing that for years. Okay. And it just kind of will go right past me. You know, I'm like, well, I know the song, Richard. Yeah, I know it too. I really like it. I can play it on my guitar or whatever. Well, does it mean anything? Well, probably not because I didn't catch what was going on here. Obviously, there was a problem whatever, but let's just forget this problem because some uh, historians kind of put this down to try to help us here. But the scripture actually says, notice here's one. Here it is. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. And, of course, we're in church this morning and we think reverence and whatever and, and that's good. A lot of times we think, you know, the preacher, he's a reverend or whatever. And so some of these big words, we miss God. And you got to remember, God had something to do with you. God had something to do with everything outside those doors. When you look out and see the beauty of the world and the sky and the moon and the stars, he created all that. And then for him to just tell us, y'all just need to be real, real quiet here and, and just be humble. And are you kidding me? Jesus, when he was coming in to Jerusalem, the children were screaming. And that's because Jesus was healing everybody. They knew who he was. The Pharisees were so mad and they said, do you not hear what these children are saying? Tell them to be quiet or basically shut up. And Jesus said, I tell you what, if they don't praise me, he said, the rocks will cry out. The rocks will begin to scream, hollering the praises of God. Anyway, so what's all that about? Well, let's go back to this, and let's see if we can figure out why David loves the Lord. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom, we don't use this word, but, you know, we don't use it much, but it's, you know, but anyway, nonetheless, in whom I will trust, my buckler, wonder what that is, and the horn of my salvation. What's that? You blow the horn? No. And my high tower. Now, what's all this? Uh, Before I get any further... He says, I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Sometimes we miss this. We think, well, I'm just, he's worthy to be praised, and I'm going to call upon him because, you know, I know his phone number. If I ever need him, I'll call him. No, he's actually more technical than that. If you'll call upon him, he will save you from your enemies. Now, he's going to go into some deep stuff here. Well, just look at this. He says, the sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. So there was some serious problems going on here. Okay, But let's switch this to the Living Bible. <clears throat> it's the same thing. It's just been put in uh, uh, 
words that we use today. So watch this. Lord, how I love you. Wonder why we're still reading. For you have done such tremendous things for me. Now listen, this is in your Bible. This Bible is basically a mirror. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter Oh, chapter 3, the very last couple of verses says we are changed into that image from glory to glory. Things are going to get better and better and better. You have done such tremendous things for me. Now, don't scratch yourself out of this and say, well, that was just for David. It's Psalm 18. It wouldn't take you long to find that if you started 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. But anyway, the Lord is my fort where I can enter and be safe. Notice he didn't say the Lord was my fort and I was able to enter and be safe because of this little story up here when Absalom was chasing me and, or no, excuse me, when I was running from Saul. This man wanted to kill David. Remember, David was the one that killed Goliath. Boom, he killed Goliath. But then now he's being chased by Saul. So he says, no one can follow me in and slay me. He is a rugged mountain where I can hide. He is my Savior. Now, he's not even referring to going to heaven here. He's talking about he will save me, no matter what's going on here. A rock where none can reach me, a tower of safety. He is my shield. Now, the youngest we have in here this morning is is Kylie, okay? And then the oldest, I guess, be one of you two fellas, you you know, whatever. But from here... To there, you know, praise the Lord. Think about it. It's all the time. You ain't got anything to worry about. Used to be my son was the youngest in here. He he knows he ain't got anything to worry about because he knows this. But it's like, you know, I can be calm here. I can be all right. Look at the rest of this. He is like the, remember, he is the horn of my salvation. Look what this says. He is like the strong horn of a mighty fighting bull. Now, Bob has been a farmer for a long time, and he's got some stories about some uh, animals and whatever. But I mean, I t- he tells a funny story about a hook that trying to put a hook in, a, in his pig's mouth, and you know, what I, I mean, a pig's nose, and that's rough, okay? And that's because that thing can attack whatever. He's trying to do some things. Look at this. He is like the strong horn of a mighty fighting bull, and he's your friend. When you walk up, you got this big bull. You don't mess with me, you gonna mess with my bull, buddy. And, and you can't sit there and think, well, well, I guess the Lord, He won't do it for me. Oh, yeah, well, it belongs to you. Praise the Lord. And look what He says here. All I need to do is cry to Him. Oh, praise the Lord, and I am saved from my enemies. Now, remember who this fella is. He's not somebody, uh, you know, up there trying to write Christian music and got a harp or whatever. He is the king of Israel. The President of the United States or whatever. I mean, he is a king, okay? Of course, our government's a little bit different. But nonetheless, this is you and I. Now, I'm going to give you a little story here. We're going to find out something about this same fella here. And I want us to go to, uh, we'll go to, let me get over here to it. Uh, I want us to go to uh, uh, First Chronicles. First Chronicles here. And, uh, no, excuse me, um, that's not right. It's, it's first Kings. And one of the first Kings, well, the, the first King here was Saul. But anyway, notice it says in uh, his old age, King David was confined to his bed. Okay. All right. So he's a, he's an old person here. Now watch this. Now I want to see what happens here. Some bad things are taking place here. 
uh, Adonijah, one of his sons, is trying to just uh, <clears throat> is trying to uh, take over the kingship here. Notice this: Nathan the prophet went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and asked her, "Do you realize that Haggai's son Adonijah is now king, uh, and that our Lord David doesn't even know about it?" If you want to save your own life and the life of your own son, do exactly as I say. Go at once to King David and ask him, Lord, didn't you promise me that my son Solomon would be the next king to sit upon your throne? Then why is Adonijah reigning? And while you are still talking with him, I will come in and confirm everything that you said. So anyway, Bathsheba goes into the king's bedroom. He was an old, old man now. Notice he didn't die young, did he? He lived, didn't he? Wow, he's an old, old man now. And Abishag was caring for him, okay? And Bathsheba bowed low before him, and he says, What do you want? He asked her. Let's see what happens here. Uh, And she replied, My Lord, you vowed to me by the Lord, your God, that my son Solomon would be the next king. And of course, we all know Solomon was king, wasn't he? Okay. But this is what was going on behind the scene. And he would sit upon your throne. But instead, Adonijah is the new king, and you don't even know about it. Wow. And he has celebrated his coronation by sacrificing oxen and fat goats and many sheep and has invited all your sons and Abathar the priest and General Joab. But he didn't invite Solomon. And now, uh, now my lord the king, all Israel is waiting for your decision as to whether Adonijah is the one you've chosen to succeed you. If you don't act, my son Solomon and I will will be arrested and executed as criminals as soon as you are dead. While she was still speaking, the king's aides told him, Nathan the prophet is here to see you. Nathan came in and he basically, he says the same thing. He says, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. So uh, let's see what happens here. He just gives the same details. Now this is fantastic. Watch what David says. David says, call Bathsheba. Apparently she left the room for a moment. Business talk, whatever, lady left. Call Bathsheba, David said. So she came back in and stood before the king. Now, of course, I mean, she's his wife. Watch this. And the king vowed. Now, watch what he says. Now, listen, this, uh, this morning, this is our Bible, okay? We're look, you, you, we are reading our Bible together. As the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger. That's what you want. Now, he's an old man. But he was a young fellow when he was way too little to take on Goliath. But he said, what? What's up with that? Remember? There was something that David told King Saul that he did when King Saul said, Boy, you can't take care of that giant out there. That thing there is possibly ten foot tall. I mean, you can't go out there. What did David say? He said, I beat the lion and I beat the bear. (laughs) I'd I'd rather take on a giant. (laughs) At least I know where he's swinging. But a bear, there ain't no telling where them claws are going. I used to think I saw that little... Mountain Gap uh, Middle School, they had that bumper sticker, and they had that claw on the back of that car. And I thought, that's wrong. No, it's right. They're, those claws, that's how many they are up there. I thought it was four and a thumb. Mm-mm. It's all five across the top. You just don't want any of that. You know, I get tickled thinking about Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner, you know, little cartoons, and they'd have that cat come up there, and that cat would attack, and it would swipe that dog, and... And you'd think nothing happened, and all of a sudden that dog would be splitting all like cheese. <laughs> you know, I do not want to take off. But they said, David in, you know, it's First um, Samuel 17, he told King Saul, he said, I beat the lion and I beat the bear. And according to David's story, it all happened at the same time. It was both of them took a lamb. 
But anyway, call Bathsheba. So she came back in and stood before the king. And the king vowed, as the Lord lives. Now, why do we get, why does David keep talking about all this personal stuff? Don't we talk about we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you see how we miss it? We think God all the time is saying, you know, Richard, it's time for you to go through the fire. It's time for you to run out of gas. It's time for you to have troubles tomorrow. It's time for you. I don't want to have anything to do with the Jesus like that. But we've been taught that that's what Jesus does to us. All the troubles and struggles that we have in our life. And I tell you what, I've learned that I'm not going to believe it that way. Because he's not that way. Jesus didn't in the multitude spin around and say, well, you know what? I fed the 5,000 today, but guess what? Tomorrow, famine. (laughs) You're all going to have famine, but don't worry. I'll ultimately take you to heaven and we'll have a great time there. And one day you can ask me why. I'm not going to live that way. If there's pain in my life, I want to get it out of there. And Jesus said he would help me do that. David here boldly, as he's vowing that his son, and even Bathsheba's son Solomon, is going to be king, he strings this statement out there. As the Lord lives, who has rescued me from every danger, I decree that your son Solomon shall be the next king and shall sit upon your throne, just as I swore to you before by the Lord God of Israel. Now I want you just for fun, let's go ahead and watch the rest of the story. Now remember, Bathsheba was saying... We're going to get executed. David, if you don't act fast, we're going to get executed. Now remember, David's stuck in bed here. I mean, he's he's sleeping for the last few days and he's passing on. Watch what happens. So the king says, call Zadok the priest. The king ordered and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah. Now Benaiah, Dustin knows about these guys. Benaiah was his personal bodyguard along with the top three, and then the top 30. These guys were some of the most fantastic military people in all the world. They could work with their left hand as well as their right hand. They were just, matter of fact, the scripture goes on and talks about them, and they call them the army of God. That's just how fantastic these warriors were. Anyway, when they arrived, he said to them, take Solomon. (laughs) Solomon's probably getting out of bed here. What am I supposed to do? Take Solomon and my officers uh, to Gibbon. That's like take him down to New Hope. Solomon is to ride on my personal mule, and Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet are to anoint him there as king of Israel. Then blow the trumpets and shout, long live King Solomon. I'm laughing because there's some funny stuff that's going to happen. Because remember, the other side over in Lacey Springs over there, you know, Decatur, Alabama, and Huntsville. Oh, what's, what's his name? Uh, uh, the Adonijah, he's over there thinking, yeah, I'm king now. You know, and Joab the general and... Abathar, the high priest over there, they're saying, yeah, long live Adonijah. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. And so there's always trouble on the horizon for you and I, Psalm 18 says. But don't worry, we got the Lord to help us, so watch what happens. So anyway, so they said, anoint him as the king, then blow the trumpets and shout, long live King Solomon. When you bring him back here, place him upon my throne as the new king. I mean, David's in bed going, yeah. And can you imagine Bathsheba? She's just like going, wow, wow. As a matter of fact, Solomon did something for his mama. Solomon's on the throne here, and he had another throne for who? For mama. <laughs> she was right there with him. Anyway, watch this. When you bring him back here, place him on my throne as the new king, and I have appointed him uh, uh, the king of uh, Israel and Judah. Amen. Praise God, replied Benaniah. <laughs> He's just a warrior. What's he getting all excited about? He knows where he had his strength from. He knows it's Jesus. 
and added, look at this, may the Lord be with Solomon as he has been with you. And may God make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, David's bodyguard, see it tells you it's David's bodyguard. Uh, what did they, they took Solomon to Gahon, in other words, a town, New Hope, riding on King David's own mule. At New Hope, Zadok took a flask of sacred oil from the tabernacle, poured it over Solomon, and the trumpets were blown, and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon! <clears throat> so it's all over the internet by now. Watch this. Got it? Then they all returned with him to Jerusalem, making a joyous and noisy celebration along the way. Uh-oh. Here's the other guy who thinks he's king. And Adonijah and his guests heard the commotion and shouting just as they were finishing their banquet. See, they were having a banquet saying, hey, I'm the new king. Yeah, buddy. Oh, my daddy, David, he wants me to be king. No, he didn't want you to be king. He wanted your brother to be king and actually made him. So they're just finishing up the banquet and they say, what's going on? Joab demanded. Now, Joab was the general of King David's army. Why is the city in such an uproar? And while he was still speaking, Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest, rushed in. So somebody came in with the message. Here comes the email. What happens? Uh, he says, they say, come in, Adonijah, said to him, for you're a good man. You must have good news. <laughs> yeah, good news for Solomon. Our Lord King David has declared Solomon as king, Jonathan shouted. Wow. The king sent to Gihon, in other words, sent to New Hope with Zadok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, and Ben and I am protected by the king's own bodyguard. He rode on the king's mule, whatever, you know the story. Zadok and Nathan have anointed him as the new king. Uh, they've just returned. The whole city is celebrating and rejoicing. That's what all the noise is. Solomon sitting on the throne and all the people are congratulating King David saying, may God bless you even more through, uh, let's get to the next verse. Oh. Uh, through Solomon, then he has blessed you. Look at that. Blessed you personally. May God make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. And believe me, you know about Solomon's reign. It was, it totally made history what happened. They had so much silver, they piled it up in heaps as it was worthless. May God make Solomon's reign uh, uh, of uh, whatever. May God make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. And the king is lying in bed, acknowledging their blessings. He is saying, blessed be the God of Israel who has selected one of my sons to sit upon the throne while I'm still alive to see it. Now we'll look, at, look at verse 49. Here comes, the, here comes the panic. Can you see it? Then Adonijah and his guest, they jumped up from the banquet table and they fled in panic for they were fearful for their lives. You know, the Bible says when your enemies come against you, they're going to flee seven. You know, the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. This is why David wrote that psalm down, you know, because this was, it was just, hey, he's my shield. He's the horn of myself. He didn't say, well, you know, I don't want to overdo this because this sometimes, you know, God's let me down a few times. <laughs> he never let David down. This is fantastic. And David never let on saying that, well, look, I'm a special child. God specially made me to knock out Goliath. God specially made me to wipe out that lion and that bear. God specially made me. No, hmm. he did specially make you, but he specially made all of us. And that's why it's in our Bible. Otherwise, we'd be sitting there going, well, I've had enough of this David stuff. <laughs> I've heard all this David stuff. Oh, so much. I mean, it's written so that we can slip our shoes in there and say, you know, that's David. 
And that's what even Joab was saying. Not Joab, but uh, Benaniah was saying. Benaniah was saying, may the Lord make Solomon's reign even greater than yours. In other words, it just follows in. Now, I want to tell you a little uh, interesting thing you find in the New Testament. You'll find a phrase that says, even the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David are all these promises that happened to David. They belong to you and I. There's still two ways to look at that. Jesus is referred to in the New Testament as the son of David. Oh, son of David, have mercy on us. Okay, you remember that? Okay, well, I agree. Jesus is the son of David. Well, okay, if you belong to Jesus, then you have all of Jesus' wealth. All those blessings belong because see, he bought you. You're a joint heir with Jesus. But anyway, there's other verses that tell us that we have the sure mercies of David. So when you read about all the wonderful things that happened to David, and no wonder we have all these stories, because no matter what your problem is, Jesus will do the same thing for you. So anyway, so what happened here? They jumped up from the banquet, (laughs) the bad guys that was, and they fled in panic. They were fearful for their lives. Adonijah ran into, look at this, Adonijah rushed into the tabernacle and caught hold of the horns of the sacred altar. In other words, he was running for cover, wasn't he? He ran into the altar hoping that you'll spare what we call it sanctuary. Sanctuary! And his life actually was spared for one chapter. Then he pulled something dumb. Anyway, when word reached Solomon that Adonijah was claiming sanctuary in the tabernacle, he pleaded for uh, clemency. Uh, And Solomon replied, If he behaves himself, he will not be harmed. (laughs) Now, who's the top dog now? You are, praise the Lord. My goodness. Uh, uh, But if he does, uh, he shall die. So King Solomon summoned him, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came and bowed low before the king, and then Solomon, uh, anyway, I think he quietly dismissed him. Uh, Yeah, he curtly dismissed him and said, go on home. So, what do we get from all these things? Well, let's go back here to the book of Psalms. Psalm 18, I love you. Why? Because you have done such tremendous things for me. The Lord is my fort. In other words, He is my fort. David's not like going, you know, I hope you work today. You're not off today, are you? Oh, always. He is my rugged mountain where I can hide. Oh, Let's see. No, no one can follow me and enslave me. Yeah, then it says that. He's my savior, a rock where none can reach me, and a tower of safety. He's my shield. He's like the strong horn. I mean, he just goes on and on, doesn't he? Now, <clears throat> I want to skip over to another fella in the book of Psalms that laid something out very wonderful for us. Psalm 91. Well, we know this, don't we? Yeah. Oh, uh, So in Psalm 91, watch this. <clears throat> History tells us that Psalm 91 was written by a fellow by the name of Moses. You know, Moses knows a thing or two about God. Look what he says. We live within the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. Boy, isn't that good. Let me switch this to the King James and just see if there's just a little bit of maybe religious uh, thinking that we might say it doesn't belong to us. Uh, Right off the top of my head, I can think of something. Look how it says it in the King James. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you sit there and you read that and you go, he that dwelleth in the secret place, and even though you're a Christian, you might think, I wonder if I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most Quit! Don't think that. He's inferring that all of us that love the Lord, we're in the shadow. It's kind of like 
little boy that comes out there. Maybe he tucks around the corner first out the, you know, out the door, the, you know, the entrance of the door. And you think, well, little boy's by himself. No, you look around the corner, his daddy's right there. <laughs> his daddy's right there. The shadow of your dad is right there or whatever. So don't talk. I mean, even in the King James, you'll know this belongs to you. Because, I mean, why would he sit there and write all this wonderful stuff and we walk away thinking it's not ours? So the inference is that you are in the shadow of the Almighty and He is definitely going to take care of you. Let's go back to uh, <clears throat> Living Bible here. Watch this. Just watch how strong this is. And just see if we're supposed to expect this all the time. I'll tell you right now, you are. We live in the shadow of the Almighty, sheltered by the God who is above all gods. You know, our trouble here is that we've never heard He was really a shelter. That's the reason we should know. I mean, we're not having a quiz today, but we really should. What are some things in Psalm 91 that you know that He'll do for you? you? You ought to know. This I declare, that He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting Him. Now, one thing you want to learn about trusting Him is quit thinking that's something separate from Psalm 91. Trust Him for what? That He's your refuge. Trust Him that He'll keep you safe. Psalm 4 says... You'll sleep at night and you'll wake up. He'll, he'll keep you safe. That's Psalm 4. Psalm 3 says the same thing. I lay me down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Psalm 4 says, for you alone, for you only can keep me safe. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I mean, I get scared at night. Sometimes you think, what was that? <laughs> well, it was Chaz knocked something over. But then I'm always looking. Chaz is laying right here. What was <laughs> Chaz didn't move. What was that noise? And you start thinking in your head, and guess what I finally do? I go, you know what? I don't know what it is, but I know God's here to keep me safe. Now, it may not be sleeping in bed. It could be you're riding in your car, like one day I was. I was going down to meet Phil one day at a restaurant down here. I stepped out, and I noticed a little bit of ice on the deck, and I thought it was just kind of little pieces of ice because it was springtime, and I thought, ain't nothing. Didn't think nothing in it. I got in my Volkswagen. I headed straight down there toward New Hope. On my way, having a good time, Chaz was with me in the back seat. My Volkswagen, we're zipping along. And all of a sudden, when I come across uh, the Third River Bridge down there, my Volkswagen doing 360s. And I couldn't turn into the spin because I already made a 360. What way am I going to turn? So I did turn the wheel, and now I'm going, I don't even know where the wheel is. I think I remember I had it going to the left. But didn't, I'm going like this. Chaz is behind me, and he's, we're both spinning like this. But I am saying out my mouth, I'm saying, in Jesus' name, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. And I remember I spun, I think it was three times. And after the third time, and and see that road, many of you guys know here, that road is built way up high. And I just knew I was going to go off the highway and go down that hill and I was going to roll. Matter of fact, I saw one of the bridge, you know, those concrete things coming. And I'm, because I saw it as I went by like this, you know. And, and I'm telling you, but I kept saying, in Jesus' name, stop. In Jesus' name, stop. I think I said that probably three or four times. And all of a sudden, the car was going in the direction I wanted to go. I'm in the middle of it, and I had slowed down to about 20 miles an hour and whatever. And the wheels grabbed. They didn't jerk me off the road, and I just downshifted to second gear and kept on going. But you know what I was doing as soon as I did that? You could not get me to stop saying out loud, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Basically, that was the words. I was sitting there going, praise.
praise God. Hallelujah. Just like Benaniah. When Benaniah was standing there and he said, Solomon's going to be king. Yes, because Benaniah knew that Joab had committed heresy with the other high priest and ran over there and they were trying to anoint uh, with Abathar, the high priest. They were trying to get Adonijah to be king. And Joab's going, yes, hallelujah, praise God. May Solomon's reign be even greater, you know. Well, I'm not so interested in Solomon's reign, but I do know what's going on. But I tell you what I am having a hootenanny about is that, praise God, I was okay. Glory to God. And Phil was there. We ate breakfast and, and, and I told him and he was excited about it. And he got on the phone and he called Dominique because Dominique was fixing to go that direction. Praise the Lord. And I think the word was when Dominique called him back and said there were several cars that went off the road down there. And I'm like, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. And he'll keep you well. Anyway, so back to this. Psalm 91, real quickly. <clears throat> we won't go through all this, but just a couple of highlights. This I declare that He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I am trusting Him. For He rescues you. Oh, I'm reading this. What? He rescues you from every trap and protects you from, look at this, the fatal plague. Can you say cancer? That's what He's referring to. Any kind of sickness, any kind of disease. See, our trouble is this right here. Do I believe it? We'll start practicing. Yeah, it may be hard to swallow because we think Jesus is not there. You know, you know, David never did see Jesus, so you can do this. You know, you can read the entire book of Acts. You're not going to see Jesus, but the first chapter. Well, you'll see him a little bit in the seventh chapter from heaven when Stephen's being stoned. <laughs> He's standing at the right hand of the Father, standing up, and Stephen says, "Receive my spirit." Whatever. <clears throat> But outside of that, you don't see Jesus. So don't be saying you got to have Jesus show up to get these things. Look at this. He will shield you with His wings. They will shelter you. His faithful promises are your armor. Ephesians chapter 6, the sword of the Spirit. The shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. Notice it didn't say the helmet of, well, sometimes it's salvation, sometimes it's character building you know so put that off and, and let you get the tar beat out of you a little bit and makes you a better christian you know that's not in the bible mercy they might as well kill solomon and kill Bathsheba and kill david make them better christians i don't think so that's not the way it works they will shelter you now what have i learned so far what he said he will his wings will shelter you but what he say is his faithful promises now you don't need to be afraid of the dark anymore I thought that was little kid stuff. Let me tell you something. Any little kid stuff, when the lights go out, it can scare me too. David wrote other psalms. I'm trying to remember where they are. Well, I could think of them real quick. But anyway, David says, in, I think it's Psalm 118, he says, even the dark is as light to you. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me if I'm just saying, well, yeah, God, you're not scared, but I sure am. No, he's referring to that here you are, you're in the dark, and you are. But David was saying, you know what? Even the dark is light to you. Because he knew David. I mean, he knew God was right there with him. David said, where can I go from your presence? You know, I can take the wings of the morning and fly away. and You're still going to be there. But anyway, here we go. Nor dread the plagues of darkness. That means sicknesses, pains, whatever. Uh, nor disasters in the morning. You know, though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around me. I mean, would you trip out over that? I tell you what, I've learned to believe the Word of God, and I, this is what God wants me to do. The evil will not touch me. 
Now, Richard, that's a, not, don't Richard me anything. This is Psalm 91. If it was Richard, I could understand that. But this is your Bible. This is God telling, that, telling Bob this morning that I don't care if a thousand fall to his side and he looks over, whoo, there goes a thousand, just that. And then, whoa, a multitude over here. Bob can walk away knowing it's not going to get me. It's not going to get me. He said, I'll see how the wicked are punished, but I will not share it. For Jehovah, look at this, is my refuge. I chose the God above all gods to shelter me. See, sometimes we just live our Christian lives and we do not realize that He is our shelter. Uh, I want to keep going here, but I'm going to speed on ahead. Let's, uh, let me go down here to the very end. Look at this, verse 14. The Lord says, because He loves me, and you need to know Jesus loves you. He does. Because the Lord loves me, I will rescue Him. I will make Him great because He trusts in my name. Sounds like Solomon, doesn't it? Yeah. When he calls on me, I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble and rescue him. This is so good. This is today now. He said, I will be with you in trouble and I'll rescue you. Look at this. And honor him. Look at this. I will satisfy him with a full life, long life would be the footnote, and give him my salvation. You know, we're going to be okay. We're going to live long. You're not going to die young, praise the Lord. We're going to live long. Father, we thank you. By your stripes, we're healed. Yeah, if we're not feeling good, according to Psalm 91, you take care of it. Praise God. No matter what it is, the same thing's true financially. We could be doing so well in our bodies. Our, we could feel good, but we could be so broke. And we're just concerned about that and don't know how we're going to pay our bills. But Lord, you will take care of that. Hallelujah. So we're looking for that prosperity. You said wealth and riches shall be in his house. So we're looking for that help. And we just thank you for it. And if there's anything else that might be out there, because we read this morning that David said as long as he'd lived, he said you always rescued him from all his trouble. So get us out of whatever trouble we might be facing. And Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to go tell others how great our God really is. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, all right.